This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Belarus, one of those countries you hear about, but do you really know about it? I certainly don't. The thing is, it's been making news, particularly of late, when a commercial flight was forced to land in the capital Minsk, and a journalist and his girlfriend, who were both outspoken critics of the president of Belarus, were arrested. It sounds like a movie, but it's real life, so it got us asking questions about Belarus. What's going on there? This episode of Squish Shortcuts will help you understand the politics of Belarus, why President Alexander Lukashenko is considered to be Europe's last dictator, and why the public there have been taking to the streets of late. Squish Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. To start, Claire, let's get our bearings and pinpoint where Belarus is in the world. It's okay if you're not sure I wasn't. <laughs> it's a landlocked country of Eastern Europe. It's bordered by Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, Russia and Ukraine. It's the largest landlocked country in Europe, so you can take that to your next pub trivia night. Yep. It has a population of nine and a half million people. The capital is Minsk. It's the biggest political economic, scientific and cultural hub of the country. And a quick history recap, Claire. It was formerly known as Belarusia or White Russia in the Soviet Union. It became independent in 1991 and was renamed the Republic of Belarus. Yeah, it was, but it didn't ever steer too far away from Russia. It maintained closer political and economic ties to Russia than any of the other former Soviet republics, so much so that the official languages of Belarus are both Belarus and Russian. Yeah, it's pretty heavily dependent on Russia, which has over the years pressed Belarus to form a fully unified state. That's pretty unpopular with many Belarusians who fear they could lose their independence and authority. One thing they do agree on, though, is trade. Yeah, Russia is Belarus's largest trading partner. It accounts for 48% of Belarus's trade with the European Union coming in second with around 18%. Top of the list of Belarus's exports are refined petroleum, cheese, mm. delivery trucks and crude petroleum. And it's pretty well known for its tractors, apparently. Yeah, another fun fact for your pub trivia. Yeah. It's home to one of the largest tractor factories. It's called the Minsk Tractor Works. The company has even made the bold claim that one in every 10 tractors in the world is from Belarus. There you go. It's also well known for being the last country in Europe to be run by a dictator. Yeah, it is. So after the country became independent in 1991, as we said, it adopted a new constitution in 1994 that created a presidency and a parliament. A few months later, Alexander Lukashenko was elected as the first president of Belarus. He campaigned as a political outsider with an anti-corruption agenda. Once in charge, though, he steadily consolidated his authority. He changed the constitution to extend his term in power. He's still in power now. In 1995, Belarus's relationship with Russia really deepened when it signed a friendship and cooperation pact with the country. Yeah, Belarus also got a new flag. It's pretty similar to that of the former Soviet Republic. It restored Russian as an official language. So while relations with Russia have held relatively strong over the years, albeit with some hiccups, it's Belarus's relationships with the European Union and America that have been mostly challenging. 
Beijing. And that has a lot to do with Lukashenko's politics around human rights, around democracy, civil liberties and the use of the death penalty. Let's get into that now. Let's start, Claire, with a bit about Lukashenko himself. So he's 66 years old. He held posts in the Soviet Army and the Communist Youth Organisation when Belarus was part of the Soviet Union. He was later elected to parliament in the Belarusian Soviet Socialist Republic in 1990, and he was the only deputy to oppose an agreement that led to the dissolution of the Soviet Union. And then, as we said, he became the first president of Belarus, and since that time, he's tried to preserve elements of Soviet communism. Yeah, the powerful secret police in Belarus are even still called the KGB. His official website describes him as the people's politician and the president of the ordinary people, but not everyone sees it that way. That would be an understatement. He's been in power for almost three decades, so he's gathered some critics over the years. And that's really because the Belarusian government under his leadership has cracked down on opposition leaders and movements and abused civil and human rights. So there have been a few reports of activists being arrested, arbitrarily detained, many without legal recourse. The criticism doesn't seem to much bother him, though, Claire. No, and an example of that can be seen as early on as 1996 when he persuaded voters to approve constitutional amendments that gave him sweeping powers, including the right to extend his term in office. When Western democracies criticised the move, he temporarily expelled American and European ambassadors. Lukashenko has also resisted economic and political reform. He's suppressed anti-government opinion in the media. And then, of course, there's the death penalty. Rights organisations have said that more than 400 people have been sentenced to death in Belarus since it gained independence. That's something that the West has repeatedly condemned over the years. In a referendum in 1996, 80% of Belarusians were against the abolition of the death penalty, but the result was not recognised internationally because, as with many other votes in Belarus. There were claims of widespread fraud and violations. Lukashenko has previously said because the decision to retain the death penalty was made in a referendum, it can only be abolished by having another one. He says retaining the death penalty is important as it helps to maintain stability in the country and prevent the spread of organised crime. But all these political decisions, Claire, have really isolated Belarus from the rest of its European neighbours and the international community. Yeah, and what we've seen grow is also a demand for new democratic leadership and economic reform. Both within the country and globally, let's get into that growing opposition movement now and the protests that have arisen since last year's election. Claire, in August last year, Lukashenko won the election supposedly by 4.6 million votes. Many say that was rigged, though. Yeah, and that's not a huge shock. There have been allegations of rigged elections in almost every vote in Belarus since Lukashenko took power. Mm. Outside of the election, though, opponents are also displeased with Lukashenko's bravado about the coronavirus. He suggested combating it with vodka and saunas 
uh, something considered to be fairly reckless. Yeah, vodkas and saunas, not sure how scientific that is. Back to the politics, though. Even before the election, the government caused a stir when two opposition candidates were jailed and another was forced to flee the country. All three are women, Claire, and they've had quite the impact since. Yeah, and the one who really has risen as the main opposition leader is a woman called Svetlana Tikhanovskaya. She was able to draw record crowds of people in that election campaign, people who were frustrated by the lack of political change. But in the elections, officials say she secured just 10% of the vote. Tikhanovskaya, though, insists that she had, in fact, polled 60 to 70% of the vote. All of this has built up and it resulted in people taking to the streets for several days late last year. And police responded with force. They used rubber bullets, stun grenades uh, to disperse crowds, particularly in the capital of Minsk, but also in other major cities. Riot police detained almost 7,000 people and bystanders in the four days after that election, uh, reportedly holding them in inhumane and degrading conditions. Tens of thousands continue to demonstrate peacefully for fair elections and justice for abuses, including, Claire, a 73-year-old great-grandmother, Nina Baganskaya. She's been attending anti-government protests since the 80s. She became an internet sensation last year after confronting lines of Belarusian riot police. And talk about dedication. Mm. She's been arrested multiple times, but she refuses to back down. And she's not the only one. Uh, by mid-November, police had detained more than 25,000 people. As for Tikhanovskaya, she continues to rail against that election result. She was detained and then forced to leave for Lithuania. She's made several videos. She's done all sorts of interviews across the international media to try and get support to force Lukashenko to quit. Baganskaya and Tikhanovskaya, two names to remember when we're talking about Belarus. A lot of unhappy people, Claire. All of this really bubbled to the surface last week when Lukashenko forced a passenger flight to land and he arrested journalist Roman Protasevich and his girlfriend who were on board. So Protasevich has been on Lukashenko's hit list for some time. He became involved in Belarus's pro-democracy movement as a teenager. He continued to cover protests as a journalist. And in 2019, he was forced to flee Belarus for Poland after his work began to attract attention from authorities. And it was there that he linked up with another young blogger who founded the online news outlet Nexta. And Nexta is based on YouTube and the Messenger app Telegram. It's built up a pretty big following in Belarus. About two and a half million people are said to be on it. It's widely viewed as a news source and it's popular with anti-government activists. That obviously caught the eye of Lukashenko and it led to the arrest of Protasevich and his girlfriend just a couple of weeks ago. They're both detained and Protasevich faces charges of organising mass unrest. There's concerns that he might be charged with terrorism and that would see him face the death penalty. There's been plenty of global fallout from that. World leaders have described the incident as hijacking because the flight's crew were ordered to land the plane over a bomb threat. But once the plane landed and was searched, nothing untoward was found. That led many to believe it was all a ruse by Lukashenko to arrest Protasevich. 
Yeah, and it prompted the European Union and America to tighten sanctions on Belarus. That's something that Lukashenko has brushed off. He says that he was acting with the country's security in mind and he's accused the international community of strangling his country and waging what he calls hybrid warfare, which doesn't really have a straight definition, but it basically means that he thinks that the international community is trying to get involved in its politics and economy. Mm, So do you reckon we'll be hearing a bit about Belarus? I reckon we probably will, not just because of the growing numbers of citizens that are calling for that democratic and economic change. Uh, There's a United Nations fact-finding investigation into the command of that passenger jet to land. Mm. They want to know if there was any breach of international aviation laws. Also, ongoing troubles with Belarus, with the European Union and America are very closely tied to its big sister, Russia. So I reckon we'll probably be talking about Belarus again. And you'll know all about it. That's your shortcut to Belarus. On to our recommendations. Each week, Claire, we recommend some further reading, listening or watching. What have you got? A really interesting interactive article that the ABC put together on two women in Belarus. One is that 73-year-old great-grandmother that we talked about, Nina Baganskaya, uh, also from the perspective of a 27-year-old office worker who wants to be just like her. It's just an interesting perspective. Yeah, mine is absolutely nothing like that. Much lighter note, the first I ever heard of Minsk was on Friends. Sadly, perhaps. <laughs> so I've got a clip from a friend's episode where David, Phoebe's lovely boyfriend who broke up with her because he got a job in Minsk, returns and rocks up at her door. We th- thought you might need something light at the end of this shortcut. It's quite funny. Did you get your old encyclopedia up and look up Minsk? I, I know all about Minsk now. I've got it. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Squiz Shortcuts. If you'd like to recommend a shortcut, if there's something that you'd like a bit of background on, shoot us an email to hello at thesquiz.com. That's all from us. Until next week. Music